Timeout when there's gaps in coverage. Every team needs a player that they can count on to help out. Aflac Supplemental Insurance can help close the gap between what health insurance covers and what it doesn't. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Aflac pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like co-pays or even non-medical expenses like groceries or rent. Get help with expenses that health insurance does not cover. Visit Affleck.com to learn more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Rodney Harrison should be in the Hall of Fame. He was uh, part of uh, two Super Bowl champion teams with the Patriots. He, of course, an analyst on Football Night in America. And uh, coverage begins a special on-site edition of Football Night in America at 7 Eastern. Rodney, how are you, buddy? What's up, Dan? How are you, man? What do you think happens in this game? As far as, like, just overall? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've all week I've talked about the the dynamic between Coach Belichick and Tom Brady. We haven't really even talked about the game, but I think, excuse me, I think it's going to come down to the Patriots defensively. You know, obviously putting pressure, making Tom uncomfortable inside the pocket, and being very physical at the line of scrimmage with the line, with the um, wide receivers and the tight ends. I think you know, if if you think about Coach Belichick for twenty years, he's been sitting back and watching Tom Brady eat up zone defenses for 20 years, you know, and I think it, that'll be the one of the craziest defensive plans to go out there and just solely sit back in zone coverage. I think you got to play aggressive. I think you got to get physical and you got to challenge these guys, take away that short passing game and force Tom Brady to beat you down the field. Okay. Do the Patriots have the personnel to do what you're suggesting? Yeah, they have the personnel to do it. They have a lot of veteran players, um, guys in the secondary, guys up front. This is a veteran-laden defense, and we saw what they did against a rookie quarterback, um, Zach Wilson. But this is a totally different guy in Tom Brady. But pressure is the key. You get pressure up front, and I I anticipate some five-man pressures, but the pressure is key, and Bill Belichick knows that, Dan. Can you throw it? Can Belichick throw something at Tom that Tom would not be prepared for or had not seen before? 
Absolutely. And Tom's seen everything, but you still have to understand when Tom comes to the line of scrimmage, he doesn't know what the defense is going to do. He doesn't know if the Belichick's going to bring two corners, if he's going to bring two inside linebackers. Yeah, he's seen a lot, but at the same time, you still have to process all that information as a quarterback. And the Patriots do a great job of disguising, moving around, showing that, you know, maybe the middle linebacker blitz or maybe the nickel blitzes. So they they, they do a good job of disguising what they do. And um, you better believe Coach Belichick, he's going to come after Brady. Do you think Bill Belichick cares about all of this drama? Can he treat this as just another game? He always has. I mean, when we won the Super Bowl, when we were 12-0 and 13-0 and 14-0, and he is a master at making you focus one day at a time, one game at a time. And, you know, nobody is better suited for this situation than Coach Belichick. And, and what he would tell those guys on Monday, the first thing he would walk in in the meeting room, Dan, and say, the circus is in town. You know, he said, guys, don't answer any questions for anyone else. We're trying to win a football game. All the other Brady stuff, you're going to hear about that all week. But at the end of the day, answer for yourself and take care of your business and do your job. That's what he addressed the team. So now the team is already programmed during the week to stay solely focused on the game and not all the BS that comes with it. But Tom coming back with all the emotion of those fans and he's beloved there, they don't begrudge him that he left New England. How do you think Tom processes something like this? Because it, it's personal for him as opposed to coach might be able to separate this and just say, let's, I got a football game. Now, Tom's a pro and all week he's given nothing but props. And, you know, I mean, he was talking about how much he respect coach Belichick, how much Belichick was a mentor for him. So I don't think it's going to be like super hard for him to, separate i think he's done a good job all week as he gets to the game and gets closer to the game you'll have that normal anxiety and the anxiousness that you have before you play a game but at the end of the day tom is a tom is a goon tom tom is a thug he wants to rip the patriots face off the you know off their off off their head he just he's one of those guys he wants to win if he can win by three four or five touchdowns that's exactly what he's going to do how would you go against Brady? If you, let's say you're playing in that Patriots secondary, what would you be trying to do? Or if you were advised, if coach Belichick reached out and said, Rodney, come on in and talk to uh, the DBs. What would you tell them? I tell them you gotta be, you gotta be aggressive. Like, you know, one thing about Tom is you can't go with his first look when he's looking over here and he's dropping back five to seven yards. You can't go over there. You have to stay disciplined in your area, in your zone, and make sure you take care of your business because that first look is just to get you to move, and he's always coming back this other way. And and just, you know, stay patient. He's going to make some great plays. You know, stay patient, continue to compete and fight, and that's all you can do. How good is that Tampa offense, in your opinion? I think when Antonio Brown back, um, it just gives Tom that level of confidence. Godwin, Mike Evans. Um, I think it's really good, especially if you get a healthy Gronk. Gronk is kind of that X factor. He's not going to put up big numbers, but he's still a pain in the butt in the red zone, straight down the middle, and he's a guy that can get you those key third down conversions. So Gronk is still a problem, even though he's not 100%. What do you make of Mac Jones so far? He's a young man that um, he has what you want mentally. I think he has um, – I think he's a – He's going to be a really good young player. He's starting to really process information. And he said it himself. He said he has to do a better job of being patient, going through his reads. But I also believe that Josh McDaniels has to do a better job of 
you know, allowing him to throw the ball down the field, taking shots down the field. One thing about Tampa Bay's defense, they struggle in the back end, the deep part of the field, Antoine Winfield and those guys. So if I'm coach, um, if I'm coach Josh McDaniels, take some shots down the field because now what people are doing is defenses are starting to blitz Mac Jones and they're starting to come after him four or five man pressures, just like the saints did. And if he can't prove that he can handle that blitz, they're going to show it week in and week out. Now he has to deal with Todd Bowles and all the exotic that stuff that he shows. So if, if he can handle the blitz, that's going to be the key for the Patriots because Todd's going to show him 10, 15 different looks. He's Rodney Harrison, NBC Football Night in America, analyst and won two Super Bowls with the Patriots. You were there when Randy Moss was there, right? Yes, sir. Is there a better wide receiver than Randy Moss in the history of the game? Um, one guy that I've gone against consistently, and I played with Randy, and Randy was incredible, but one guy is just Jerry Rice. And it wasn't as exciting as Randy Moss, but it was very consistent, and he was a threat, and he caught everything, and his routes were immaculate, and he worked his butt off every single route. So if there's a guy that I was afraid of, with the when, when when we played against the Raiders and Randy Moss, we kept three guys on Randy Moss, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we were not giving up the big play, but Jerry Rice is one of those guys. He's a grinder. He'll come across the middle, slants. He'll take a slant, and even though he was a 4-5, four, 4-6, four, you know, he'll make a move, beat the safety, and sprint to the end zone. Jerry Rice was a royal pain in the butt. I saw him last week when I was in San Francisco. He still looks great, but I would have to say Jerry Rice. And you faced him. He was 34 years of age when he was with the Raiders. Well, I faced him also when he was with the 49ers because when I played with the Chargers, we used to always have that inner squad um, scrimmage. So I got a chance to see him, Terrell Owens. I got a chance to see Steve Young up close and personal, like when they were in their primes, and it was awesome to see. Terrell Owens is right there. Why is why does T.O. not get the credit maybe that he deserves or feels like, um, I guess, personality, demeanor, but as far as when he got on the football field, can you can you argue with what he did, how he produced? You, you can't. And it was an absolute shame. And T.I., we haven't, you know, we've had some words and we don't get along. We don't go out and have cocktails or anything like that. But I've always said that this guy should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. No question about it. He was an absolute stud. Um, just the threat of Terrell Owens caused what the pressure that he puts on a defense and the things that he could do. Yeah, it was personality. A lot of guys didn't a lot of people or voters didn't appreciate the way he he acted and the way he carried himself but at the end of the day you have to go by what this man accomplished on the field and what he accomplished on the field you can't deny he was one of the greatest wide receivers ever i don't care what stats say this dude was an absolute monster on the football field and um i just love the way he played played really motivated played tough and with a sense of urgency how concerned would you be if you're a Steeler fan, what you've witnessed so far with Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, I would be highly concerned because at the end of the day, it starts with the offensive line. The offensive line isn't great. They can't run the football. They have the perfect running back for their system. You got Najee Harris, a guy that's big, fast, elusive, can catch the ball out of the backfield, yet you can't run the ball because you don't have an offensive line. Then you have Ben. He looks like he's 90 years old. He looks like he's you playing quarterback. Dan, you can't have Dan Patrick playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, I am definitely concerned about um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, definitely. Are you all in on Matthew Stafford and the Rams? You talking about like going to the Super Bowl and all that stuff? Yeah. 
no, I'm not all in. It's it's a month in the season, you know, but I'm 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 excited about the Rams. I'm excited for Matthew Stafford to go to to have to stay in a program where you've lost the majority of your career and now going somewhere where it's a lot more positive and you got athletes, you got a good defense, you got other guys that you can depend on and you have hope. Ain't nothing like that, man. I'm telling you, Matthew Stafford feels like he's a rookie again. He loves football. He might play another 10 years. Let's say you're in your prime, maybe maybe the back end of your prime. You're like Richard Sherman. Bill Belichick reaches out. Tom Brady reaches out. Who are you signing with? Tom Brady. Absolutely, because <laughs> you have the chance to win. You got to understand, Richard's made his money. Like, he doesn't have to go and make an extra four or five million. He's playing because he wants to play. But, yeah, if Tom Brady calls me up, how do you say no to Tom Brady, especially when you know what level of um, defense that they have when they're healthy? And to bring all that knowledge, that experience in there, and to be able to talk to the young players and show them and, t- and show them different things, hey, man, that's an easy choice. Plus, let me tell you this, Dan, you're playing on natural grass and you're playing 70-degree weather. Every, t- every day you wake up, it's natural grass and 70-degree weather. How can you beat it? <laughs> Did you ever witness uh, Brady chugging beers? I, I don't think I've ever seen Brady take an alcoholic drink until that uh, when I saw him drunk coming off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that Super Bowl parade or whatever when he oh, yeah. on the boat? Oh, yeah. I, I've, never, I've never seen him take a drink, but I don't hang out with Tom Brady. Like, we don't go to bars. I don't go to bars, so I wouldn't know. But did you ever hang out with Brady? Not like nightlife. I mean, having I dinner like, or was it just? Yeah, we talked. No, we we man, we talked and we've had dinner at you know and lunch at, at the stadium and breakfast and we would talk about family and our goals and stuff like that. I mean, he's a very interesting guy. And and let me just say this, Dan, about Brady. I'm so happy for him because people didn't get a chance to see his personality. Now that you social media, he's gone to a new spot. Um, you know, all the commercials. Now we get a chance to really see who Tom Brady is and that sarcasm, that humor, the good looks, just all the different things that come with Tom. And yes, he is a weasel. He is a weasel. You better believe that. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just happy that he's at, at a really good place. Good to see you, Rod. I hope you're well. hope family's good and uh, have fun uh, on uh, Sunday night. Same, same to you, Dan. You look good, man. Good to talk to you. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds you know, the basketball nerds. They're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament? They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. Cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton? Is a, is, a, is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you, you telling me? You've seen the whole time. <laughs> 
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kevin Millar, kind enough to join us, MLB Network analyst. He won the World Series 2004 with the Red Sox, and you can check him out with uh, Intentional Talk. Uh, that's on the MLB Network. Yankees raised tonight at 7, followed by the Mariners and the Padres. Kevin, thanks for joining us. How you feeling? Hey, I'm doing good. A little allergies. All, all's good, though, here in Austin, Texas. All right, handicap this for me. Let's start with the National League West. Why are the Giants the best team in the West and maybe the best team in baseball. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, it, it's shocking to start the season and to think, yeah, they're going to have 105 wins here to start of October, but they do all of the little things right to win a baseball game. So whatever that is, it's kind of like the Rays. We've watched the Rays since Joe Mann was there winning 90 plus games. You could name nine guys in that team, if not five, besides their starting rotation in Evan Longoria back then was David Price and James Shields. Now you look at the Giants, it's a lot of the same type stuff. 
You could say Crawford's having a career year, and yes, he is probably the un most underrated shortstop out there, and it's been that way, but they just play baseball. So whatever this new generation is with all the matchups and all the stuff, Farhad and Gabe Kapler work well together. They believe in their theories. They believe in their stuff, and they're winning baseball games. Yeah, but here are the Dodgers with 103, and they're probably going to have a showdown with the Cardinals next week. How yeah. in, how, I, now, I, I know we say this, uh, you know, we see the results are like, they're going to win 104 games, 105 games, and they're, they could be out after one game. Why don't we have reseed, you know, seeding where, you know, these, we just go with victories. Like the, that, that way everybody keeps playing the entire year at the end of the season. And then we just seed the teams, whether you did National League that way in the American League or did it, you know, combined them. What do you think about uh, that, that possibility? You know what? That's a great, that's a great idea. And, you know, you, cause you do look at this. We asked yesterday on the show, are the Dodgers the best wild card team ever? And I said, no, because 2004 Red Sox are, Dan, and you knew that answer, obviously. <laughs> okay, so let's stop with that question. But when you look at a powerhouse and you look at Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, what the Dodgers have done since they've acquired them, I think they have like, they're like 43 and 13 or 43 and six, whatever, the, whatever the number is. And they've picked up a game on the Giants. That's why what you say is, is, is it's a great idea because it makes every team play just like an Otani. Uh, you know, he's not going to pitch the last game of the year on Sunday. And now you're playing the Mariners, which that could be a big deal. Mariners are probably in the best situation besides the Yankees to make this situation go in the wild card in the East. But it is it is an idea. And I know they're looking to always make the game better. Maybe that does. It's just difficult to have an entire season where you dominate and you're going to play one game. It's going to come down to Scherzer versus Adam Wainwright. Like, is there any other? So I would think baseball searching for revenue would at least make it a best of three. I, I like the one game win or go home, but it's not. I'm not the one that spent an entire season, six months getting to this point. What makes the most What is fair in a situation? And, and you may like the one game. Well, I, I know that's how important it is to win a division because it buys you those other games. So that there, there's your gift that you're trying to go to to the end of the season. You have to win the division. If you don't, now you have a wild card. And the great thing about this, Danny, wild wild card teams win the World Series. Also, it's the team that gets hot. I mean, who says that the Cardinals were going to be in the playoffs six weeks ago? I had them done. That Jack Flaherty goes down. Their starting rotation couldn't throw strikes. They couldn't get anybody out. You're sitting here going, Nolan Arenado and Goldsmith. Please take us to the promised land. And you look up and they go ahead and win 17 straight games. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Right. And now are they the team to beat in the postseason? And you wouldn't have said that six weeks ago. So it seems like every week something changes. It was the Blue Jays about two weeks ago. I'm like, you can't beat them. You might have the Cy Young, Vlad Jr. If it, if it wasn't the Otani year, like he's the MVP. They have a nice rotation that to, to match up with people. So they're dangerous. But then also the Yankees go in there and take two out of three. Like, okay, well, you know, they'll, they'll try. But it is, it's a very intriguing is the word this year because every week it changes. You can flip a coin and go, yeah, the Brewers this week. Go ahead and face those three. But then they, they lose to Devin Williams. Now it's all Josh Hader. So every week something different, but it's going to be a great run. You bring up Devin Williams, the reliever for the Brewers. He's out for the postseason. He broke his hand celebrating or after celebrating. How often are injuries hidden? like the true injury of how it happened 
and then you could sort of make it into a sports-related injury, even though it probably wasn't a sports-related injury? Yeah, there's there's that stuff. I mean, look, look, you know, you and I are on a team, and we go out and have a few cocktails. Okay, Danny slips on a, on a step, and your, your ankle gets twisted. The next day you're out. Well, let, let, let's say that was on a treadmill. So that stuff's going to happen, right? It's not that everybody needs to know you had two Jack and Cokes because you're so excited the Boston Red Sox went out and shocked the world. That's That stuff's there. But, you know, I mean, most of those things, you snap, you do dumb things. We are human beings. Uh, you punch walls. It doesn't make sense. Uh, it can cripple a team. This might hurt this club. He's a great kid. His changeup's devastating. He's like a Trevor Hoffman type changeup. And then you have that Josh Hader 8-9 scene. So, yeah, this this is a tough loss for the Brew Crew. Their offense is going to have to pick him up. Have you seen a stupid injury before? Uh, Without naming names. About, huh? Without naming names. Like, Somebody. Yeah, no, I, we've never had. I've never had to deal with a stupid injury. I mean, we dealt with the helicopters and Kurt Schilling's ankle, which was not stupid. That was just straight heroic. And then you put ketchup on it, you know, behind the scenes, <laughs> you and I. But besides that, no, I, I've never really had to deal with a, a, a teammate punching a wall and like, ah! It, isn't it amazing people still think that <laughs> Schilling put ketchup on that sock? Did you see it's his ankle? Great, Did you see hey, that ankle? It's such a great skit because. It's chill for one, two. I mean, we had the whole scene going. And three, why didn't the Yankees bunt? Not one drag bunt that I game. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, DJ's got to lay down a butt just to see if he can move because he can't move with two ankles. <laughs> Even when he was healthy, he couldn't move. He couldn't move. <laughs> I, I, I remember, you know, I mean, that whole scene was just crazy. When he came out of the dugout for an off day to go pitch in the bullpen, yeah. And we all thought, oh, uh, here's Shill, red light Shill, you know, milking it. Oh, my God, heroic. This is going to be incredible. And then all of a sudden, I talked to Terry Francona. I go, is that Shill being Shill? He goes, he thinks he can pitch. And yeah. I go, what? I said, are you going to let him? He goes, I might. I go, oh, my God. Like, we were given chilling grief. And then you realize, and then you see the ankle. And you realize, I mean, there, I, he might have put ketchup on that sock, but that ankle was gnarly. It was the most unbelievable thing because I walked in the clubhouse and I had, you know, back then we had camcorder. So I'm sitting over here like, oh, this is amazing. So my little camcorder that I was talking smack with them, it looked like a little shark bite. I said, pull that thing down. And I had it there. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. But it was, it was truly, I mean, it was great. It, it was chilling, but like the fans and the New York fans, was it a bloody sock? Was it the ketchup? I'm like, guys, I was just surprised we didn't get the drag bunt, period, in the story. We're talking to Kevin Millar, Major League Baseball Network analyst. Uh, you can watch Kevin co-host Intentional Talk plus MLB Network. will feature Yankees Rays tonight at 7, followed by Mariners and the Padres. Handicap this for us. How's this play out in the postseason? Well, first of all, can we just – did you see the Tatis home run yes. over out of the stadium? Now, I grew up a Dodger fan. I used to go to Dodger stand. We've seen Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. We've seen some monster power guys step in that batter's box. I've never seen a right-hander. Daryl Strawberry hit one, I think, on top, you know, back in whatever it was when he had the little Franklin, the orange and blue batting gloves that we all had to have back then. It was awesome. But I remember him swinging, I think, and hit one up there to the right side. I've never seen this – Ever, Danny. Have you ever seen a ball hit the top of that? I think McGuire. Did he? Yeah, I think McGuire did. Stargell left-handed. 
Uh-huh. Bonds maybe did it. Straw. I think it's happened. That was the fifth time it's happened. And I think uh-huh. I think McGuire, whose birthday is today, I think uh, Mac put one out of uh, Dodger Stadium. Yeah, that was. The, I was watching it live. I just sat there. I was like Max Muncy at first base. I sat there. I'm like, <laughs> did that just hit on top, or did that hit the bleachers and then go on top? I mean, it was remarkable. If you're a left fielder, though, and pitchers talk about this, don't show me up. If I gave up that home run, at least back to the wall and act like you have a shot. I, I remember there was one where I. It might have been Bonds. Bonds was in left field. And yeah. He had his hands on his hip uh, or on his knees. And he didn't move. No. So somebody he just did this one. Yeah, he just somebody hit a bomb. He didn't even look. He didn't look over his shoulder. He, he knew. It, he knew it was gone. And you guys know that sound. That sound oh. where you go, oh my god, how far? Not if it is. You know, yeah. it might be. It could be. It's just like, oh my god. I've never seen that. It was. It was truly remarkable. I, I just couldn't believe it. There's a breaking ball. I'm like, good lord, I couldn't hit a breaking ball that far from a fungal from second base, let alone he sits there. <laughs> Yeah, but to handicap this out to answer your question, I still believe in the Dodgers. I love their depth. I mean, I don't care. It's hard not to believe in the Dodgers. I think the Yankees can be a problem when they hit home runs like they did last night. You know, there's all these teams that have all this stuff. Red Sox, stop looking behind your shoulder. Just go ahead and try to get six outs late in the game. Do your thing. Okay, that didn't work. Yankees have to hit home runs. That's how they win games. You do not want to face that lineup when they're hot because they hit three run home runs, and I don't care how many strikeouts they have, but they get hot. And it gets scary. I do like the Dodgers beating Wainwright and the Cardinals. If you were to ask me personally, I think they'll advance. I, I, I am a believer in the San Francisco Giants. I think they pitch, they pitch, they play defense, and they pitch. At the end of the day, the Houston Astros, look out for them. I think mentally they're the toughest team out there. I think everything they've had to overcome, I think everything they have to deal with, this team just keeps plugging away. I think Dusty Baker does such a great job of kind of just, you know what, it's us against the world and with a smile to an extent. So if you are to ask me, how cool would it be, Dodgers, Astros, <laughs> 2017 World Series, let's go! Yep, yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, what should Shohei Otani do? Oh, man. You know, it is such an intriguing. Think about this for a second, Danny. We got Rendon at third base. If he comes back and has and and is is who he is, eighty percent of who he was at Rice University. And you got Mike Trout, an MVP. You got Otani, who's going to be the MVP. If they could figure out starting pitching, how to spend money or draft in June or whatever it is, because the Giants, it happened quick, quick. Okay, I mean, this team you might have had in fourth place, fifth place. You might have had the Rockies they had them start the year. They got 105 wins right now. But I think he stays. I think they have to get smart on the staff. And I don't know why that's so hard because that's where the game's won. That's where the game's won. We all have cute salaries and we got a billion dollars in the infield with the Padres. And everybody's making a bunch of money. But at the end of the day, you've got to tow it up every fifth day. And the Angels got to find a way to do that. Yeah, but if I said to Mike Trout, hey, you you want to go someplace else? Hey, don't sign that contract. You want to go someplace else? You have more hits than Mike Trout does in the postseason. Yeah, it's tough because it's the one game that we can't take our team to the promised land. LeBron could take his team to the NBA Finals. Brady could obviously take his team to the Super Bowl. Baseball's not that way, Dan. You're going to need somebody to step up like 17 other guys. Yeah, but would you stay if you're Otani? Like, what? what's I mean, the, the reason why? 
I mean, things have changed now. So probably you have to sit back and go, okay, where's the world at? Now, take all that baloney out of the thing. The weather's not bad there. It's a great place to play if you're wired that way. I remember getting, you know, talking to Garrett Anderson a lot. Garrett Anderson, you know, Kerry High School, I believe. Great guy. And, you know, they got four reporters they answer to. We're over here in Boston. He goes, how do you do it? We got 72 stories going. Did Dan Patrick take his shirt off over there? Is Kevin and Schilling in a fight? Is Big Poppy and Pedro? And, you know, so you know how it is. The East Coast, there's some pressure. There, it's, it's hot when you're doing bad. And it's you're Aerosmith when you're doing great. But if you're wired, blue skies, mm. the rally monkey's going to come up. We're going to have calling all the angels by train. It's a great place to play. Beautiful place. Yeah, but you're not winning. You get October off. Yeah, but some guys would rather be rich and buy a house for $30 million over there on the Pacific Ocean. That's cool, too. Not everybody's wired to win. That's what's funny. That's why I say when you when you go out and get free agents in the, in the East Coast or Boston, or, you better be makeup-wise. It's not the best player, but you better have some makeup to compete when things aren't going great. Now, you tell me. Can you tell me every player is a winner? No, I know that. But right? but but Otani says he wants to win. Now maybe he's just saying that. Who hasn't said that? Yeah, Which players told you, "Hey Dan, I just want to go ahead and make three hundred million and not win." And what would you say? How could they sign a guy that's not a winner? But do that's you, what happens. Do you think Trout wishes that he played someplace else where he's playing in, in meaningful games? I do because I know he's a Jersey boy. So when you look up. Everybody misses his third and fourth at bat on the East Coast. The article's already written, <laughs> right? So they see two yeah. or three at bats, and then off, off yeah. you go. But we're in bed. Yeah, I know. I know. It stinks. Uh, Mike Piazza hit one out of Dodger Stadium. Did I, he really for a righty? Is he the only other right-hander besides I, what you were saying, McGuire? Uh, I got McGuire and Piazza, and I think Willie Stargell did it twice. Is that, I mean, it's truly, I hit an absolute, I was telling my kids last night, I hit an absolute bomb in my own world off Chan Ho Park, and I think it three-hopped that back blue wall in the bullpen. It was probably 379 feet. I felt like I left the stadium. Where he hit that ball last night doesn't make sense, Danny. I know. I know. It's, it's. He's a talent, by the way. Who's winning nationally MVP? Wow. I mean, did Bryce Harper make a nice run? Did he make a nice run? But, I mean, I don't, that's, that's, that's a tough one. They're both not going the postseason. Tatis is my MVP. I know. Oh, you like Tatis? Yeah. 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 Who do you like? Probably Bryce Harper. Yeah. But I think I saw more Bryce Harper than Tatis. I, I, I like to see games. I like to see what happens right. in a game, right. not just a highlight. Uh I, I I give Bryce Harper credit because I haven't always been on the bandwagon. I thought there was more hype there. And here's another thing. When people talk about Mike Trout, boy, he's going to be one of the great players of all time. I said he should aspire to be Miguel Cabrera. Let's start there because Miggy has incredible stats. He, he did win um, MVP, you know, 500 home runs. He's going to have 3,000 yeah. hit. I mean, that's... He, that's where Mike's yeah. next step should be. Not one of the great players of all time. Is he going to be as good as Miguel Cabrera when it's all said and done? And I know that sounds crazy for people to think, but Miguel Cabrera has had an unbelievable underrated career. In my opinion. 
I, I, I mean, you could put him, Manny, and Albert Pujols in their prime. Give me their best five, six-year span. Who's the best right-handed hitter in that in that generation, in your opinion? Oh, when they're hot. Manny was unbelievable. But, you know, Manny was artificially inflated, so I got to factor that in. Um, <laughs> right? I got to have artificial inflation there. Um, you can't comment, right? I can't comment. Okay. Eddie. I, mean, I mean, I, I just love eating Sour Patch Kids and Coke bottles. Gummy bears. <laughs> um, probably Manny. I, I think Manny had those moments where you're going, how did he hit that? And you, you, can't, you know why? You can't he see. had probably the prettiest right-handed swing. Most lefties have pretty swings. They can kind of finish and do the old Griffey. Manny had that from the right side that just had that where he can release that bat. I'm like, How'd you hit that ball 440 to right center with one hand? I know. He was pretty. But if I said you could have Big Poppy or Manny up in the clutch, game on the line. Hands hands down, Poppy. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Saw it for three straight years. Anytime you need a two-run home run, it was there. Anytime you need a two-run base hit, it was there. I mean, they're both special. Poppy, I mean, he had like 500 in the World Series in 2013. I mean, he didn't get out, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, well, he had to, if he only batted 500, if he doesn't get out, maybe it's a thing. Maybe. maybe. Uh, great, great to talk to you. And, uh, hopefully we'll catch up here soon again. Thank you, buddy. You look great, Danny. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs 
a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man. It's called Mal Evans. It was on And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Salt and pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. He's Seth Wickersham, ESPN senior writer, and uh, he's got a new book out. It's Better to Be Feared, The New England Patriots Dynasty and the Pursuit of Greatness. Seth, thanks for joining us. What was the toughest story in all of this to crack? Oh, man, that's a great question. Thanks for having me. I think that the toughest story, and, and this may sound a little bit more thematic than specific, but it's trying to get inside how Bill Belichick and Tom Brady work on a day-to-day basis and try to diagnose and understand the key ingredients that have led to their greatness and this unprecedented run that they had together. And then also look at some of the costs of that greatness. I think that those were the things that I was trying to pursue as diligently as I possibly could. Easier to get information on Brady or Belichick? Um, that's a great question. I'd say it's a, it's a, it's about the same. I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy, but, you know, again, I've been doing this for 20 years now. I've written many stories about Tom Brady. I've been at his house. I've been at his Super Bowl party. I've had many conversations with Bill Belichick. I know the people around them. I know the coaches on the staff. And so I just felt like that I could pursue this project with a lot of confidence and um, hopefully tell a story that fans like. What's the one that you, the story that you found out more information than previously uh, believed or reported? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of those things. You know, you can go back to, you know, Tom Brady's days at Michigan and the night that he was going to leave and what his therapist and counselor told him. Um, you know, the tension of 2017, which I obviously wrote a lot about the time and, you know, just learning a little bit more about, you know, where that came from, how bad things got, you know, how Brady said, I don't want to play for Bill anymore. And, you know, how close it came to coming to an end there. And, um, you know, the part of the book in a weird way that I like the best or that I kind of enjoy the most was 
the middle part, the 10 years that they didn't win a championship because they were achieving at such a high level and they were in such a, a cultural and, you know, sports plateau, but they needed to figure out how to, how to get the last percentage of a percentage um, better so that they could, you know, go over the hump and, and finally win more Super Bowls rather than narrowly losing them to the New York Giants. And you've said that you didn't interview Brady or Belichick for this book, but you have interviewed them down through the years. I give you one question for both of them. Let me start with Belichick. The one question you would ask for this book would have been what? I think I would have asked if it's all worth it. I think that he's become the greatest coach in modern football history. And the casualty of his greatness has been a lot of relationships. You know, you can talk about his relationship with Eric Mangini and how that fell apart when Eric left. And I detail a near fist fight at the league meetings between the two of them. And there's a lot of players over the years who obviously have come out of New England um, with a really bad taste in their mouth. And then obviously there's Tom Brady. And I think that while there's a lot of love between Brady and Belichick, I think that there's a lot of acrimony, especially on the Brady side, at the way that the past couple of years, you know, unfolded. And, you know, that's what I would be curious how he would answer um, is, you, you know, if those relationships are some of the costs of his greatness, how does he feel about it? And was it all worth it? What would be the question you would ask Brady? <laughs> you know, I've thought about this a lot, but I actually did ask it to him a couple of years ago. And I asked him how long he wanted to live. Because if you look at the way that he's sort of evolved <laughs> in celebrity, you know, he's become this, this kind of figure that he's almost a member of like the global elite for whom, you know, human longevity is human destiny. And so I did ask him at one point, like, how long do you want to live? And he had a really thoughtful and, um, and, and, you know, reasonable answer where he said, you know, it's not necessarily about how long I want to live, even though he wrote an entire book about reversing the aging process in his words, it was the quality of life and the fact that he wanted to go skiing and surf and do these things after football. And he was trying to have it all and we'll see if he can have it all. Yeah. But if I ask you, how long do you want to live, Seth? <laughs> what are you going to say? Well, I didn't write an entire book about reversing. the aging <laughs> I know, but I, if I'm Tom, it's like, I want quality of life. However long I live, I want quality of life. Um, I, I've always been fascinated with a couple of stories. The, was there a power struggle on keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, keeping Tom who had the final say, did, did Brady go to Kraft and say it's me or him? Belichick hand delivered Jimmy Garoppolo to Kyle Shanahan, making sure he didn't go to the Cleveland Browns. Help me understand all of that. Illuminate me on, you know, what is fact, what's fiction. It takes a little bit of time, but and I wrote about this a lot at the time. Look, after they beat the Falcons and they had won their fifth Super Bowl, the dynamics in the building just changed. And I think that, you know, Tom Brady started to venture into other things. His TB12 business, he put out the book, he did Time versus Time. He wanted to be treated a little bit differently. And in the middle of it all, you had Alex Guerrero in this business that they were both trying to build together. And the fact that the things that they were saying were often at odds with what the Patriots doctors were saying. And so it was becoming this divisive force in the locker room. Belichick curtailed his access. I mean, think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. They give Alex Guerrero an office and they gave him a Super Bowl ring. Bill curtailed his access back then. And in the middle of it all, you had Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that Belichick has a lot of pride and he always wanted to walk away from the Patriots with them set up long-term at quarterback. And he was deeply invested in Jimmy. 
At one point when Jimmy played, he said, you know, the transition between Brady and Jimmy is really seamless, seamless on offense. And things were, there was just a lot of things coming to a head. And so finally Jimmy got shipped. It was obvious that Kraft's loyalties were to Brady. And um, then that off season, they lose to the Philadelphia Eagles and Brady skips the entire off season program. And so much reporting has come out about how he really didn't know if he wanted to return to the team. And in fact, kind of wanted to be released. Okay. But did he go to Kraft and say, it's either me or Garoppolo? Well, that I don't know, but Kraft, Tom Brady didn't get Jimmy Garoppolo traded. I think that it was so obvious that Kraft had stated publicly and privately that Brady had earned the right to walk away on his own terms. And even if Bill was invested in Jimmy, Tom was making it very hard for him to get on the field. They share an agent, Don Yee. There was just a lot of things that were closing in and Bill was kind of backed into a corner. And so, yes, he calls up Kyle Shanahan. I think it was on Halloween morning, maybe it was the night, the day before and offers Jimmy, you know, straight up for a second round pick. Belichick has since come out and said when he's, uh, the book has been mentioned that, uh, you know, second, third, fourth hand news. It (laughs) feels like, information may be coming from Brady's side more than Belichick's side. That probably doesn't take long to go through the Rolodex of Belichick and who he trusts and who would have information here. Is that a fair assessment on how I'm reading who's saying what to whom and when and why? It's a fair assessment of, of I think what came out in the news story, but most of the, the book is, is not that way. I mean, 95% of the people that I talked to for the book are on the record and their primary sources. And the, the few that I needed to grant anonymity to are the people who had firsthand um, knowledge of key meetings or dialogue that was said. And so um, I think with the news or it, it definitely, some of the news that came out definitely came out that way, but, you know, specifically with the, the, the main anecdote from the news story about Tom Brady and at Robert Kraft's house and, and telling Robert Kraft he's not going to resign with the team. He wanted to go tell Bill in person and Bill was unavailable. And, you know, he told a confidant, a very close friend, he thought that was telling of the state of their relationship. You know, Brady didn't deny that yesterday. I mean, Tom is 44 years old and he's good. He figured out a way to thread that needle where he didn't deny it. And he didn't really give anything away either. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I did the best I could to try to, show this relationship, show their greatness, and show the cost of their greatness. We're talking to Seth Wickersham, ESPN senior writer, author. The book is available nationally on Tuesday. It's better to be feared than New England Patriots dynasty and the pursuit of greatness. I've mentioned this story to my audience a couple of times. When I interviewed Brady prior to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and towards the end, I said, do you think you and Bill will ever get together and reminisce? And Brady, in a moment of truth, said, no. Like, he, he couldn't believe that I was asking that. Almost like, incre- like no, are you kidding me? That's, that's, that's not what our relationship... Now, he didn't say that's not what our relationship was about. But that's really how I read it. He's like, no. And, and I, I don't know if he caught himself where he gave me what I thought was an honest answer at the time. Instead of saying, well, I hope so, and... You know, we will open up the scrapbook and, you know, we have so many great memories. He just went, no. Would you say that sums up the relationship between these two, that they're not taking a trip down memory lane anytime soon? Not anytime soon, but I still think that even if they get on each other's nerves, 
And there's some acrimony, I think, especially on the Brady side right now, over how things ended in New England the past few years. But I, I think that there's a love there, and I think that that's really important. And, and you know, as, as different as they are from a personality standpoint, they have a couple key traits that are almost completely aligned. And I think that one of them, they are steadfast optimists. They kind of come at it from a different angle. But nobody in NFL history has believed in the power and the possibilities of the next play like these guys. I mean, no matter what has happened, they're able to focus on what's in front of them. And you see it play out on these international stages where Brady rallies the team from 28 to three down. And a year before, another brilliant goal line stand by a Belichick defense. I mean, nobody like these two guys they refuse to concede an inch to anybody else's idea of the inevitable. I wonder if they get blown out 42 to 10 by the Falcons. <laughs> Does Bill move on from Brady sooner? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that there's a strong likelihood. One of the things I, I get into in the book is I think that one of the things that reignited their dynasty was in the Baltimore divisional playoff game in 2015 when they were down 14 points in the third quarter and they unveiled that the Baltimore and the Ravens funky formations that completely baffled the Ravens and it got New England back in this game. And if they had lost that game, I don't know what, it, what would have happened. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo had just finished his rookie season. Would they have moved on from Brady right then? But instead they unveiled this, this classic formation that, that completely befuddled the Ravens, got them back in the game, and it really reignited the entire dynasty and led to those three more Super Bowls. You want to get in on the uh, pregame bet? Is there a hug? Is there a handshake? Is there any contact whatsoever between Brady and Belichick? So I would bet, and I'm not a better, but I would bet that there will be a pregame hug because there'll be too many cameras after the game. And I think they'll both do it because they know that it's in their best interest to do it. And I often wonder, you know, look, I mean, Brady's going to be so focused and so keyed up for this game, whether they will try to show him so much love at that stadium, like a video tribute, whatever, to kind of throw him off. Oh, I would. Absolutely, Seth. I would. I would make him cry. The Colts did it with Peyton Manning. When he came back as a Denver Bronco, they did this big tribute to him, and he started crying during pregame warm-ups. And so, like, I absolutely think that's the best (laughs) way to try to throw Brady off. Great to talk to you, Seth. Congrats on the book, and good luck with the sales. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.